From the Western Riverside Council of Governments, I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CogCast. Described by the New York Times as America's uber-geographer, Joel Kotkin is an internationally recognized voice on economic, political, and social trends. He is the author of numerous books, including his most recent release called The Coming of Neo-Feudalism, a warning to the global middle class. Currently, Mr. Kotkin is the Presidential Fellow in Urban Futures at Chapman University. So without further ado, joining us on the podcast today to share insight on the story of Western Riverside County and the Greater Inland Empire is Joel Kotkin. So Joel, thank you so much for being here with us. Can you start us off and share a bit about yourself? Well, okay, I'm Joel Kotkin. I'm a, I've written 10 books. I'm a presidential fellow at, at uh, Chapman University, um, and I run the Center for Demographics and Policy Um and we've done quite a bit of writing about the Inland Empire uh, over the years and, you know, demographic changes. So, um, you know, it's uh, and I've been obviously uh, following the election results and, you know, doing all that stuff. But basically, I try to look at the long term trends and particularly some of the interesting trends since the pandemic started mm-hmm. um, that we're seeing all over the country yeah. and around the world, to tell you the truth. Definitely. So um, being a Californian, what's like your favorite thing about living in California? Well, of course, I'm, I, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not a native. I'm from New York, but I've, I've been in California since 71, uh, 1971. So I guess I qualify as a Californian at this stage after 50 years. <laughs> um, you know, the things I really like about California, well, obviously the weather, you know, and the topography that's hard to beat. Um I like the entrepreneurial spirit, although I think that's getting very suppressed in mm. the current regulatory environment. Mm-hmm. I like the ethnic diversity. Um, you know, uh, basically, uh, I can live on Asian and, and Mexican food. That's fine with me. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, uh, but I think fundamentally, um, what really worries me is that innovative spirit, that openness that characterized California is really beginning to disappear and the state has become more rigid, more hierarchical, mm-hmm. less um, oriented to upward mobility. And is really the, the people who are suffering the most from this regime are not, you know, um, older people like me who bought their homes and my first house in 19, uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in 1979 for $150,000 in Hollywood. Um, it's, it's me if I reinvented myself as a 35-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, and as our new report that I did for my think tank in Houston called the Urban Reform Institute, uh, we found that the people who, who have really suffered have been predominantly the very people who the current regime thinks that are, uh, they, they are serving, Latinos and African-Americans. And they do much worse in particularly in places like Los Angeles and San Francisco, as well as New York and Boston, than they do in other parts of the country. So how does it feel to be described by the New York Times as, um, quote, America's uber geographer? Um, and what did you do to get such an esteemed title? <laughs> well, this is from David Brooks. And 
Uh, David's been following these same demographic trends I've been following for a long time and, you know, has been willing to say, hey, look, you know, the biggest thing, people are moving to the suburbs. They're moving to smaller cities. They're they're not, you know, the, this whole kind of narrative, everybody's moving into the into the core cities. It just, it it certainly never happened at the scale. And now, of course, it's reversing. I mean, Los Angeles is losing population. Uh, California may be losing population. Mm -hmm. So I think what happened is that the, a narrative gets promoted in the media. And by the way, it's it's obvious in parts that the, the media is made up of, you know, increasingly people in their 20s and 30s who live in, in, in three or four big cities and they want validation for their lifestyle choices. Um, I look at what the census is telling me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've written multiple um, articles and books, um, as as we've mentioned, particularly on the suburbs, though, and that's maybe more of kind of where um, a lot of your focus has been, at, even as of late. So what do you see as the future of the suburbs in general? Well, I think the suburbs um, are in very good shape in terms of that's where people want to go. You have a millennial generation that's now going into their 30s. And in most of the big cities in this country, the option of buying a house and sending your kids to a public school is almost gone in, you know, in most of these uh, cities. Um, and so, uh, and, and if you want to start a small business, um, and of course, with COVID, the fact that you could work remotely, I mean, how many people um, really need to go from Riverside to Irvine five days a week, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and take, you know, the death march into it, you know, uh, on the 91. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really isn't, it, it isn't necessary. Now that doesn't mean people won't need to get together every once in a while. Maybe you come in once a week, maybe, of course, the best thing would be you have lunch meetings so you can beat the traffic both ways. But, the, but fundamentally there's really, um, the suburbs are naturally positioned. The only thing that will hurt the suburbs is a regulatory um, regime as we have in California, which is weirdly enough saying, we want everybody to live in the future in dense apartment districts in places that are incredibly expensive and where businesses don't wanna go. But besides that, it's a great strategy. To your point about working remotely and the telecommuting aspect of the suburbs, it is interesting and in seeing how much more, I guess, freedom people have with working remotely and especially mitigating that that really gnarly commute down the 91 into OC right. or LA. Um, so in your opinion, and we talked about this a little bit ago, um, in your opinion about the future of Western Riverside County, what does it look like in regards to the economy, housing and other issues? And are there lessons learned maybe from, from our neighbors in OC or LA or even San Diego? Well, first of all, I think that, that um, you know, Western Riverside County, if you really look at a map and if you look at where people are moving, is increasingly not on the fringe, but in the center. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you take a place like Western Riverside County or let's say Ontario and San Bernardino, these are very well positioned. Mm -hmm. um, and if California is able to keep businesses in the state, that they're gonna move out to the Inland Empire, they're gonna move out in the Bay Area to, to the parts of the, of the Central Valley. Um, but the state is trying to stop that movement. And if that happens, then the future for Riverside um, is not going to be so great because, you know, fundamentally what we're seeing is that companies, as one economic development director out there has told me, 
companies that used to say, I, I'm going to move from Long Beach to, uh, to Riverside are now saying California is so crazy and the regulatory environment is so unpredictable and getting ever more difficult that I'm just going to go to Arizona or I'm going to go to Nevada or I'm going to go to Texas. And increasingly, you don't even have to be in Nevada and Arizona because if the work is being done remotely, you can do it from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what we're, what there, this should be a time where the Inland Empire, which is the only part, particularly Riverside, that's really growing in, in California in terms of population, this should be a time of great opportunity. But the state of California is um, trying to make sure that that doesn't happen. And what I don't understand is why representatives um, who represent the Inland Empire would support legislation that is destined to greatly limit the ability of people in Riverside County to make a good living, buy a house, get into the middle class. That's what Riverside County is for. Mm. And uh, But of course, the people who run California don't really care about those things. Mm -hmm. So what I hear you saying is that it's really perhaps like state leadership and policy coming down that's impacting how what Western Riverside County really could look like in the future. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, for instance, if you're going to say we're going to get rid of single family zoning, well, the reason people move to Riverside County is to buy a house. <laughs> it, you know, I mean, I remember one time one uh, one town, I won't mention the name, the, the guy said, oh, well, we're going to build this high density housing, you know, in this town near you. And uh, <laughs> and I said, well, this sounds like purgatory, high high density housing with nothing much to do nearby. And and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and and, you know, I still have to drive anywhere, everywhere. You know, there's this weird mantra that, oh, we're all going to take transit to get around. Well, transit is in deep decline, has been um, since before COVID greatly accelerated. We have to say the future of, of sustainable communities is going to be more people either working at home or close to home. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the really great opportunities that I'd like to see in, let's say, Riverside is something a friend of mine in Houston's doing. He's buying suburban abandoned um, retail mm -hmm. and turning it into socially distanced office space. Mm -hmm. Like if, if, if there are, let's say, 100 employees of a, of a L.A.-based company who live in Riverside, well, why, you know, if you want them to go to work to the office, why not set up office where they can drive there in 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. They'll be more productive. They, how anybody thinks that the idea of sitting in a car or on a train for 45 minutes to an hour to get to work, I, I don't see what's the productivity of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's too great. Mm -hmm. um, and what's the impact on people? You know, many people, when you, when you do interviews with people who've moved to other states, they say it was the traffic. I couldn't handle the traffic anymore. I couldn't mm -hmm. handle, you know, the hour and 45 minutes each way <laughs> going back and forth between Irvine and Riverside County. It wasn't worth it. So we have to be thinking about our people. But the problem is state of California is run by ideologues and, 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 and true believers who believe that the only solution to the climate issues is if we force everybody to live in high density and ride transit. Well, that is a completely failed strategy. It's not going to work. There are other ways you can get to your goals that are more congruent with what people want and what families need.
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of building off of that, so I think we can generally agree, and all of us, maybe not all of us, I shouldn't make a generalized statement, um, but we can generally acknowledge the fact that California can be a really challenging state to do business in. So if you could, what would you change about the legal taxation or regulatory climate that would maybe really help um, California businesses? Well, the, the first thing would be to get rid of this VMT vehicle miles traveled as a standard. Um, the, 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 the sort of weird California, I, I, I consider it kind of preening, kind of a, you know, sort of like, we're going to save the climate. California, if it fell into the ocean tomorrow, would make no difference. You know, everything we might save, which we're not actually doing a very good job of, but if we, if even everything we save, China gets, you know, makes up for it in a week. I mean, so what are we talking about? It's global warming. It's not California warming. <laughs> You know, when some bit, you know, there's been some very good work done on this, that like when we chase people and companies out of, let's say, Riverside County and they go to Texas, guess what? The carbon footprint goes up because, you know, it gets it's much hotter. It's less regulated. Um, uh, people are more likely to 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 drive longer distances. So what are we gaining? What happens if we if a concrete manufacturer moves from Riverside to Arizona? their carbon emissions go up. So it's it's this incredibly sort of, you know, it's like um, the old comedian, comedian Jackie Mason said that, that that many people, all they care about is how I, how can I look at myself in the mirror? You know, it's just virtue signaling instead of saying, well, what really works? What makes it impact? What actually is, is sustainable over time. The model that we have here is not sustainable. So I would look at the climate policy. I mean, obviously, um, AB5 was a disaster. Um, and, you know, I mean, frankly, Uber and Lyft, I think the case against them was much better than it is against consultants. I can see even in my own business, you know, we're talking to our accountants. I, I tend to hire a lot of people on specific projects and, um, and we're saying, well, you know, that if we have to, I'm going to move everything to North Dakota, where I, mm -hmm. I have a, a affiliation with the company. How does that benefit people? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to transition, I guess, our conversation, talk a little bit about the middle class, because that's also something sure. um, that you've written about. And so um, particularly, obviously, in California. So generally speaking, are you pessimistic or optimistic about the future of the middle class in California? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think that the potential is there. I mean, California was always the place where, you know, it was always the middle class dream. It was like the American dream cubed. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like you got everything. You know, you got a house, you, you got a nice neighborhood, you got you got great jobs and 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 obviously all the advantages of being in California, whether it's, you know, going out to Palm Springs or going to, to the to the you know mountains or or the ocean. I mean, there's no place in America that has these assets with decent weather. I mean, you can you can do it in Oregon, but, you know, you'll just get rained on every day. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I'd like to have some rain, but I don't want to have it every day. Um, so so the bottom line is. The potentials that we have great people. I, I particularly look at the immigrant communities and the second generation communities where people have a great work ethic and they're, they're willing to risk. The, the basis is there. The educated workforce is there. The, the work, the um, sort of the, the work ethic is there. 
uh, the positioning as the interface between the Pacific Rim and Mexico um, and North America is perfect positioning. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, everything is there for us to have a, a vibrant and growing middle class. Um, what's in the way is idiotic policy choices that the state continually seems to be making. Every once in a while, as happened uh, in the in the recent election, sometimes some of the crazier ideas still get shot down. But it's it's relentless. You know, it's never you know, it's really not going to stop until we get a new kind of political leadership. And my biggest pessim, uh, uh, source of pessimism is we have a one party system. And as my friends, I'm a light, I've been a Democrat most of my life. Um, if you have a one party system and you're a Democrat, you never, you're not, you don't worry about the Republicans. You don't worry about people to your right. You worry about people to your left. And so you constantly kowtow to positions that are completely against your own constituents, whether it's poor people, minorities, or, or people living in the suburbs. And the, the bottom line is California has enormous potential for upward mobility in the middle class. Um, but it's sub, it, it's really uh, uh, undermining that um, through policy. Mm -hmm. And that bleeds into the next question that I kind of wanted to ask you and um, pick your brain about. So you, um, I don't know if coined or just utilized a phrase neo-feudalism. And so um, what I, is I, it? I coined it. Okay. <laughs> what is it? And maybe why should we be worried about it? Well, what I said, and this is a global uh, phenomenon, what we're seeing in the world today is an enormous concentration of wealth in few hands. Mm. I mean, when when people, you know, people on the left make that claim, they're right. It's happening. You know, uh, property ownership is concentrated. Um, I think after COVID, you're going to see Wall Street go in and buy up all sorts of small businesses and and and, you know, strip malls and places where middle-class families put their money. I mean, to me, I, I see these, uh, these you know, small businesses, you know, struggling. This is happening all over the world. So basically what you have is you have, in, New York feudalism is about the lack of upward mobility. What made feudalism happen is people were basically, you were born in this class, you stayed in this class. You, the, I, the, the chance of a serf becoming an aristocrat just wasn't going to happen, okay? Probably not going to move up in the church as well. Now, the other thing is theology. In, in the medieval times, there was theology. There was one way of looking at things. Like, look, I think science is a great thing, but my understanding of science, my father was a scientist, uh, you know, the, the, the great thing about science is it's always being disputed, and there are different ways... You know, you may say, well, the best way to alleviate uh, climate change is this way, or the degree that we can affect it is is maybe, the, you know, there's different debates. What we're seeing today and the social media uh, companies who are the oligarchs, the tech oligarchs I write about, um, they say, no, there's only one science. There's only one truth. That is so medieval. And the fact is that when you have sometimes distinguished scientists from, you know, from, uh, you know, Hong Kong, you know, Chinese University in Hong Kong or scientists from uh, uh, from Oxford or scientists from Stanford and, and Harvard being essentially deplatformed because they don't take a particular point of view, which is endorsed by a particular political uh, ideology, 
mm-hmm. that is really scary to me. It's and and what's worse to me, maybe because I'm an old journalist, is the fact that I read newspaper articles. I don't trust them anymore because you never talk to anybody else. You never got a different opinion. You didn't tell. You know, you you basically essentially took a press release from people you agree with and rewrote it. That's mm-hmm. that's what you see. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I, I read articles and certainly newspapers, the major newspapers who remain unnamed, many of whom I've worked for. Um, I can't trust what they're writing. I mean, I open up the front page and it's like, is this a mimeograph from the Democratic National Committee or or from the environmental you know, action groups or, or from Black Lives Matter. I mean, I find that so scary and the need for orthodoxy. And what makes the middle class is diversity of opinion and the idea of, well, we're going to try what works. So if I, you know, instead of saying you should only do this, this and this, let's try different things. And that that spirit of, of, of uh, experimentation and innovation, which is at the core of California, is being and and of Western societies is just being systematically destroyed. Mm-hmm. So, as a follow up question, what do you think that we can do? Because that's something you've brought up a couple times, even on our podcast of, uh, I guess, stimulating the entrepreneurial spirit. But what do you think are things that we can do to help revive that? Well, I think one of the things is you've got to make it easier for people to start businesses. We've got to we've got to stop with this business where energy costs are two, three times what they are in neighboring states. You know, you know I'm, I don't expect California to have a tax regime like Texas or Tennessee, but it doesn't have to be the worst in the country. Are we competing with New York and New Jersey to see, you know, how many businesses we can chase out? Um, it's already happening in, in, in post-COVID. Um, so I think there, there there's, there's really a, a an issue here that I think has to be addressed, which is, you know, You've got to make it easier for people to start companies. You've got to make it easier for for people not to go through this terrible bureaucracy. Sometimes it's, by the way, not only the state. It can be local business. I I worked after the L.A. riots in 1992 with Linda Griego on how we were going to rebuild the L.A. economy. And what we found was people didn't complain mostly about taxes. It was about regulation and even more so the attitude of the regulators. Hmm. That when a person comes from from the government and said and and is really trying to shut you down and really trying to make things difficult, that's not very encouraging. If you go to Nevada, you go to Texas, you go to Tennessee, you're going to be welcomed. They're going to be happy that you came, and they're going to be happy if you went to downtown Nashville or you went to Franklin or you went 50 miles from Nashville. They want you there. Um, I have worked a great deal in Texas. And by the way, this is not a partisan issue. My good friend, Henry Cisneros, did a great job, uh, uh, um, former HUD secretary um, in San Antonio, bringing good jobs to a working class community. It's not a partisan issue. The problem is California's, um, particularly its Democratic Party, is made up of people who've never owned a business, never met a payroll, and are economically illiterate. I mean, I understand, for instance, AB5, I, you know, and I am worried about the fact that so many people work and don't have health care and don't have some of the protections. There are other ways of doing it. So only an economic illiterate would have supported AB5. I mean, again, when I'm looking at if our accountants say to us, you can't do this business out of California, I'm just going to move the business elsewhere. 
-hmm. And I'm going to probably pay people outside of California, even though I would like to keep more of the business here. I mean, you think about what's happened in, in, in movie production, you see what's, what's going to happen in, in lots of fields uh, beyond the, 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 uh, uh, the, the Lyft and Uber side. So, you know, what I find is that, that it seems that our leadership in Sacramento is mostly made up of lifetime politicians, functions, functionaries of, of labor unions, um, and occasionally maybe somebody who was a PR person for a large company. How often is it a small business person? Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's a big business person who now has so much money, what do they care? Actually, they don't even want the competition. I mean, Silicon Valley doesn't want a lot of, you know, neat little startups. And if they have show any promise, they're going to just, you know, engulf and devour them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we need to be able to to, to reestablish the, uh, the sort of opportunity culture that we used to have that can only be done with with significant regulatory and tax reform. Kind of closing out our conversation, I did want to ask you a question in regards to COVID. So how do you think that COVID will affect our society in the long term? Um, Do you think those changes are for better or for worse, particularly in California? Well, I think in in terms of, of COVID nationally, um, what we're seeing is people are dispersing. Uh, companies are increasingly looking for suburban and exurban locations. The question is, does Riverside County get some of that or do those people find those locations someplace else? I mean, we, almost every day now we have an announcement of some company that's left California to go someplace else. Just today, there was a healthcare company just moved um, from Irvine um, there's a, uh, to the Denver area, there's a CBRE, the last Fortune 500 company in downtown LA is moving to Dallas. Um, so, you know, you, you have to reverse that process in a significant way. And the opportunities that it's, you know, this idea that we're, that downtown LA is going to become this, the vital economic center of, of the LA area, it hasn't been the vital economic center since at least the 1920s, so about 100 years out of date. We're not going back to it. We're not going back to a world where more and more people want to be in big buildings in, in, and ride transit and, and, and be in crowded elevators. I mean, even when there's a vaccine, there are behavior patterns that have now been established. Mm-hmm. We're also likely to have other um, uh, other. Uh, pandemics. I mean, they, you know, as you can see in Asia, they've had several before. This is why they were better prepared, but we're going to have that. Um, the, the technology change is an enormous opportunity um, for suburban areas, and that's taking place in other parts of, of the country. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is there is a potential great boom for the Inland Empire and places like it, and California right now is strangling um, that possibility. Hmm. And so what's going to happen is they're going to go someplace else. Now, Riverside County is a nicer place than a lot of these other places people are going. But if you force people to move elsewhere, they're going to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So COVID is a it, it obviously a horrible thing in many ways, but it's also a great opportunity. And we have to figure out how we can turn that into an opportunity uh, for California. And right now, what we're doing is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. But to your point, this is a huge opportunity for our state um, to really own and move forward, if that makes sense. Yes. 
Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. Um, I really appreciated your time and just sitting down and learning from you. Um, do you have any final remarks before we sign off? Yeah, no, I mean, the main thing is I really would urge um, the legislators um, from the Inland Empire, Democrat or Republican, I don't care, to, to start thinking not about how, how some minute thing is going to save the planet, uh, but about what's good for their constituents. How can we build a sustainable um, Riverside County that has prosperity and good jobs? Um, that I think is what they should be focused on, not following the agenda of, of um, the national parties. Mm-hmm. Awesome, well, thank you so much. Thank you. For more information on WRCOG and the COGCAST, please visit our website at www.wrcog.us. For more information about Riverside County's efforts on COVID-19, please visit rivcoph.org coronavirus.